Hello and welcome to Black, Brown, and Bilingue, where our mission is to unite the black and brown communities through education, storytelling, and community engagement. The vision of Black, Brown, and Bilingue is to be part of creating a world in which Black and Brown identities are affirmed, bilingualism and biculturalism are nurtured, and equity is the driving force behind all that we do. Thank you for joining us again today. I am Lisette Jacobson, and I am one of your hosts. And I'm Maurice McDavid. I'm your other host. Buenos dias. How are you? Buenos dias. Uh, I'm well. How are you doing? Both of you. We're so excited to get this opportunity to um, talk to you. I'm Lisa Jacobson, and I'm a principal in West Chicago. And I'm Maurice Maurice McDavid, also principal in West Chicago. Fantastic. West uh, West Chicago, well represented this morning. Yeah, 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 of course. (laughs) And I'm I'm on the west side of Chicago. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Great. So um, before we begin, just a quick small connection. We realized that um, Dr. Minerva Garcia Sanchez is tu prima. Yes. What a so small she's world. She's the superintendent in my uh, children's district. I live on. Oh, we're in that di- Okay. Oh, we're yeah. to go to school. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yep. That's great to know. Yeah. So educator. I, I, uh, DeKalb. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Yep. How's she doing? I haven't talked to her since she, uh, t- shortly after she took the position. She, she's doing well. She's doing well. Um, you know what? I, I got a chance to chat with her over the summer um, just because I used to work in the district and have been in DeKalb for, for forever. And so um, we just talked a little bit about what the community was. And uh, my wife actually serves on the school board with her. And so my wife works a little bit more intimately with her, but um, ah. is uh, just very happy um, we're super excited to have uh, her leading our district in DeKalb. So. Oh, that's that's uh, great to know. Thanks for bringing it up, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to let you know some small little connection there. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we're super thrilled to have you because, you know, a lot of you were, we were watching you closely when you were running for mayor. And, you know, as educators, Um, We're really passionate about the work that we do, especially bringing awareness to some of the issues that um, the black and brown communities face, particularly with education. Um, And so Maurice and I really wanted to talk with you because we know that you and I think Cory Booker and other representatives have um, brought forth the Diversify Act. But before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about your educational background first, kind of leading up to where you are today? Uh, Gladly. So uh, I came to Chicago in 1965, a very historic year, the year that the uh, Voting Rights Act, for example, was uh, passed. And I grew up in the uh, Pilsen and Little Village communities. That's where I learned to speak English. That's where I learned my streetwise uh, uh, ways uh, that I'm very proud of. And of course, I had uh, caring uh, parents, uh, supportive parents, uh, who after starting me out in the public schools, sent me to a Catholic school, uh, graduated from uh, St. Rita High School on the Southwest side, uh, and then went to uh, the University of uh, Illinois. I am the first in my family uh, to go to college. My parents didn't have 
uh, much education, but they knew that having me in school was a good thing. And I'm very uh, grateful to them. I also have to say, uh, if it wasn't for uh, financial aid uh, and uh, uh, financial assistance, I would not have uh, gone to college in all likelihood. I worked uh, my way uh, through uh, college. I had a great time in college. I became an activist in college and uh, it became a wonderful uh, journey uh, for social justice, one that I continue on as a, a member of Congress, uh, as a, a organizer and a community activist, and someone always caring, especially about the relationship between uh, the Black community and the Latino uh, community as well. So uh, I've gotten to uh, appreciate uh, the public education system in our country, how important it is, and the great equalizer that it, that it is, and also the great door opener for uh, many journeys. Uh, because as I mentioned, uh, in 1965, I came to Chicago, uh, Voting Rights Act was passed. It's how I was elected to Chicago City Council, uh, became the first Mexican-American in the Illinois uh, State Senate, and the first Mexican uh, American to represent uh, the fourth congressional district. So the first uh, congressperson uh, of Mexican descent to represent the Midwest as well. So I am uh, very grateful and I'm always looking for ways to keep the doors open for uh, the next generation, for those who came after me. And of course, uh, mentors and uh, adults who encourage me to continue my studies uh, to excel and never to forget my roots in the community. Yeah, that 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 is uh, that is a fantastic journey, and I appreciate you sharing. Um, and and, and Lorisa, I, sorry to interject, to interrupt you. One of my uh, greatest uh, joys uh, upon uh, arriving in Washington was serving with the great uh, Congressman John Lewis, a person who. Uh, brought, helped bring about the Civil Rights Act, uh, the Voting Rights Act, and continued uh, to fight for justice uh, until his last breath. Uh, mm. Someone that is revered uh, in Congress across the country and someone who continues to inspire us to strive for justice today. Sorry about the interruption, but I had to put that in there. Aww. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I um, And so... You know, I, I was I was going to ask you because you mentioned the idea of some of those mentors and adults that helped to encourage you. It sounds like perhaps John Lewis was that in that adult world for you. When you think back to your to your days, um, either in college or in in K through twelve, were there any particular educators um, who had a a major influence on you um, uh, as you kind of reflect back today? Yeah, uh, in third grade at uh, the Pil today it's known as the Pilsen Academy. I was uh, saved by uh, a teacher, uh, Mr. Rivera. He was uh, Puerto Rican and he was bilingual. He gave me uh, the strength, uh, the confidence to uh, continue going to school. I used to sometimes uh, fake that I was sick uh, so I wouldn't <laughs> go to school to avoid because I couldn't speak English. I came from a very small village uh, in uh, Mexico. Uh, it was uh, February, it was cold. Uh, Chicago Hawk was uh, striking uh, very severely. 
and uh, it was intimidating. Uh, hearing kids uh, speak in class, uh, being made fun of because you couldn't uh, uh, speak Spanish was uh, tough, uh, but he gave me the confidence uh, and he helped me learn uh, some of the street smart that it took to survive in the neighborhood. Man, about a year after uh, I was here, I could speak English, I knew the ways of the neighborhood, uh, I knew how to navigate, and was very fortunate uh, to be in a very diverse uh, setting where I grew up with white kids, with African-American kids, with Puerto Ricans, and of course with uh, many Mexican immigrant kids, but also Mexican-Americans of second, third, fourth generation. So uh, I credit uh, that uh, environment with teaching me uh, very important things about social justice in our country. Uh, it was a working class uh, neighborhood and I continue to live uh, in a neighborhood like that uh, in the little village community where I have lived now for 54 years. Uh, and now I'm raising, uh, helping to raise my grandkids uh, who are my neighbors uh, in Little Village. Oh, I love that. Look at keeping the family together. I actually um, was born in the back of the yards community, um, but we ended up moving to Waukegan. Um, and I was also very fortunate to have um, very diverse educators. Um, starting in kindergarten, uh, my Mrs. Brown, she was an African-American woman who really instilled a love of reading. And I can't even imagine where I would be without her. Um, and Maurice, though, had a very different experience. And so we're very passionate about um, recruiting and retaining educators of color, um, particularly when we go into hiring. And I want to kind of segue into this Diversify Act, because as I was reading about it, I was so excited um, that this has been put forth and I hope that we can help propel this into public public consciousness so that um, we can get this passed. Can you tell us a little bit about the act? Yeah, so the uh, Diversify Act uh, is a bill in Congress that will help uh, create a well-prepared and diverse uh, educator workforce by uh, protecting and augmenting uh, the TEACH grant, our nation's uh, service scholarship uh, for uh, teachers. I'm uh, very proud uh, to have uh, co-sponsors in the Senate, as you pointed out, uh, uh, Senator uh, Cory uh, Booker, uh, and uh, in the House, uh, Johanna Hayes, one of our uh, Golden Apple winners uh, from the state of uh, Rhode Island, uh, I believe uh, she hails from, uh, a wonderful educator. And uh, we are about diversifying uh, our schools across the country. It's uh, very, very important. Uh, it will ensure uh, that uh, students uh, see their own diversity in uh, the educator uh, workforce. Uh, in Chicago, uh, for example, less than 50% of teachers uh, come from diverse backgrounds while students of color make up nearly 90% of uh, the student uh, population so uh, it's very important uh, what it would do. Um, diversify stands for uh, diver uh, diversifying by investing in educators and students to improve outcomes uh, for youth. So the, it's an acronym. Uh, the legislation uh, would complement uh, the important administrative fixes to the TEACH grant proposed in the College Affordability Act by ensuring that the grant uh, 
uh, amount closely matches college costs. Uh, additionally, the legislation would increase the Teach Grant Award to support students interested in becoming teachers by ensuring that there is an education uh, workforce that is as diverse as uh, students uh, that it serves. The Diversify Act will address the shortage in uh, educator diversity by strengthening scholarship programs intended to recruit a diverse workforce. So the Diversify Act is a key step forward in ending historical barriers to a diverse education uh, workforce. And we're working for its passage. Uh, this year is critical because we have majorities in both houses, uh, in the House of Representatives and in uh, the Senate. Uh, and concretely speaking, the Diversify Act would increase the TEACH grant award to $8,000 uh, per year, uh, which is uh, very, very uh, important. And uh, in addition to that, um, it would uh, ensure that uh, the money that has been cut year after year uh, is reversed and we start increasing uh, that amount. Um, uh, this proposal mirrors uh, President Biden's uh, Americans' uh, Families Plan. Uh, it would end annual cuts uh, to the uh, uh, program that have occurred for quite some time. So it invests in that. Uh, and it's very important, again, to change our uh, teaching workforce. It eliminates the harsh loan uh, conversion um, um, uh, as well. So it's an act that would ensure that uh, uh, it uh, that the work the uh, teaching workforce uh, is reflective of the changes uh, in America. So you're saying um, when you say it won't turn into a loan, it will stay as a grant. Is that what you're saying? You said something up like that. It would increase uh, the grant amount. Mm -hmm. uh, it would reset the program so that there are annual increases uh, in the support uh, uh, of the program. Uh, and it would get us back on track uh, urgently uh, so that it uh, increases uh, the number of teachers that are needed to reflect the demographic uh, changes that are going on across the country uh, so that the a teacher workforce is reflected uh, in uh, classrooms all over the country. So um, first off, thank you for your work on this, um, Congressman Garcia. I think it is an incredibly important task. Um, I'm fortunate enough to um, be working on something like this at the state level. I'm part of the Diverse and Learner Ready Teacher Network, um, which is working as well at the state level in Illinois to uh, diversify the teacher pipeline, um, as well as uh, having produced the, the culturally responsive teaching and leading standards um, here for the state of Illinois. Um, I know that in some of uh, this work at the state level, we've received some pushback, right? Um, what do you say to, to um, you know, those who perhaps have something negative to say about this? Or, you know, one argument that, that we've heard is, that then white teachers are going to miss out right on, on jobs. Uh, is, is there kind of a response to that? Look, uh, this is about equity. And this is about uh, ensuring that uh, children in 
uh, public school systems across the country see uh, people like them, uh, like their uh, parents, like their aunts and uh, tios uh, in the classroom as uh, educational uh, leaders. Uh, it's only uh, right that uh, teachers uh, who are helping shape uh, the minds of uh, students uh, be represented uh, in those school systems. Uh, there is uh, nothing wrong with that. So uh, ensuring that uh, the TEACH grant program you know, covers the full cost of comprehensive preparation and reduces debt burdens by uh, amending the program to cover the full cost of attendance rather than just tuition fees and institutionally owned housing is uh, essential. So we're talking about uh, fairness, we're talking about uh, equity, and we're talking about keeping up with uh, what the census uh, of 2020 has told us, that America continues to uh, diversify in its population. Uh, it is essential that that occur in the field of teaching and education. Excellent. You, you know, one, one um, you know, quick follow-up uh, to that is, is just, you know, as we uh, think about attempting to, to diversify, um, you know, the, the field of education, um, I, I do often wonder, you know, what are the ways in which somebody listening to this podcast can help, right? I think sometimes people don't fully understand how our government works, right? So you're here talking about this act um, and, and we know that you want it and we know that Senator Booker wants it, but how do we let people know that we want it, right? We, the American people are on board with you on wanting to move this forward. What are some ways that people listening to this podcast can help support this act? That's a great question, uh, Maurice. Uh, right now, uh, the White House is, uh, seriously uh, considering addressing the subject of uh, uh, student indebtedness, uh, stated otherwise, uh, addressing the uh, student debt crisis. This is an economic and a racial justice issue, uh, given that student debt contributes to the wealth gap and hinders upward mobility, particularly among Latino and Black Americans, like those I represent. In my fact, my son still has a student debt which has had a long lasting impact on him and his family today. Uh, and as an example, we know that Latino students are more debt averse than other uh, uh, than non-Latino students, which means that they uh, might be less likely to attend college if that means taking on debt. Uh, so I mentioned uh, student indebtedness because it's an issue the White House is currently looking at. And uh, it's really important for students for uh, teachers or anyone, for parents uh, who are concerned about what kind of indebtedness their uh, sons and daughters are gonna have in the future uh, to ask the White House to take this step. Uh, by the same token, uh, as we address the issue of student indebtedness, uh, the Diversify Act is an act that uh, should also be mentioned as we uh, advocate uh, the White House and uh, both houses of Congress to uh, make educational opportunity a real uh, uh, priority uh, because both are needed. One, uh, to relieve uh, current debt from 
uh, you know, that was accumulated by students when they were in, uh, in school. Uh, and the second uh, is uh, creating, helping to create that pipeline of uh, teacher diversity in our school systems across the country. So the two go hand in hand uh, very closely. And I think uh, those are good messages to send uh, uh, to the, uh, the president. Um, uh, you know, with repayment uh, of loans um, uh, because they've been deferred because of the extraordinary measures, uh, COVID measures that were taken uh, because of the pandemic, uh, repayments are resuming on May 1 and many borrowers are worried, but the financial security and ability to put food on the table or pay their bills. So canceling student debt now uh, would give permanent, re permanent relief to millions of borrowers whose budgets and livelihoods would be threatened uh, by returning to repayment. And then of course, don't forget to mention the Diversify Act because it helps to ensure that there is a pipeline reconstructed uh, during this time of uh, uh, ensuring that we institute equity in all government programs in uh, particular that we are investing in a teacher workforce that looks like the changing America. You know, we're on the other side, right? As principals, when we go to hire, and one of the things that's very appealing to me about this is that we often talk at the district level, like what are the ways that we can entice applicants or um, recruit and retain? But I think that this hopefully will just call more people to the profession because we know that more and more people are becoming, like you said, debt averse. And um, we're hoping that this will actually bring in more potential people. We know that like for me, even when I wanted to become an educator, my family was like, are you sure that's, that's a lot of money? Or they would say, um, if you're gonna go into debt, why don't you go into a high paying field? Don't become a teacher, um, go somewhere where you can make more money so that you can pay off those um, loans. And I know that a lot of my friends kind of heard that same message. And so hopefully with this act, um, we'll even get more people into that College of Ed pipeline. It's badly needed, and uh, Lisette and Maurice, uh, as I reflect on the impact of uh, the pandemic, especially on communities of color, I'm really afraid that uh, teachers uh, and the teaching profession, um, that people may be scared to pursue uh, that uh, profession uh, because of yes. uh, the hardships that uh, students, uh, their families, and certainly teachers have endured, especially over the past uh, two years, uh, just as we're seeing, uh, you know, medical people in the medical uh, field, the health professionals, uh, say that you know, throw in the towel and say that they're moving into another uh, profession, into another discipline because of the hardships of COVID. Uh, I too am afraid that the field of education could be impacted uh, this way. Um, you know, the full impact of uh, COVID on the lives of uh, young people and children in our school system is likely to be impacted for years to come, uh, which is uh, one of the best reasons why uh, we should act uh, and President Biden should act through executive order on uh, relieving student indebtedness on the one hand, and then uh, 
it, you know, helping to build the pipeline of teacher diversity uh, by helping to push through the Diversify Act in the US Congress, because these are two concrete measures that will help ensure that uh, the workforce, the education workforce of the future will be reflective of uh, students and America's needs. Yeah, 100%. I, 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 first off, I, I really appreciate you acknowledging the hardships of our educators. Um, and I think when they go to listen to this episode, they're going to appreciate that too, um, because I think a lot of folk are very aware of what's going on for our students. Um, but man, being a teacher over these last few years has been um, equally as challenging. And like you mentioned, we're, we're seeing that happen in kind of this, um, this exodus. Um, but I, I think that this is going to be a, a great way, a great measure. I appreciate as well the continued conversation on removing some of that student loan. I, I appreciate it personally. Me too. <laughs> I'm looking at my student loan debt. Um, We're struggling millennials. <laughs> yeah, my son texts me every day from Minneapolis. He Dad, wants student debt forgiveness. I'm dad. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So I want to I want to hit you with two uh, two more things real quick. And I know that we're, we're running uh, short on time. We appreciate you giving uh, us some time this morning to chat with us. You mentioned um, you mentioned earlier um, just talking about your process of growing up in a very diverse neighborhood. Um, one of the conversations that Lisette and I have had, um, you know, since talking about even starting the podcast, right? And it's, it's I think, evident in our title, Black, Brown, and Bilingue, um, is talking about that connection between the Black and Brown community, right? And, and so you talked about having grown up in, in a diverse community. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, either some of the work that you've done or that you've seen in that, in connecting uh, Las Comunidades, uh, you know, and, and uh, I, um, I really enjoy being bilingual because it has given me access right to some of those some of those things and I walk in and they're like where's this brother from is he from you know the Dominican Republic or you know, <laughs> is he <it> Cuban <laughs> yeah, um, can you talk just to that uh, a little bit and in, in kind of your experience growing up and some of the work that you've done working in a diverse city like Chicago yeah so um the in my opinion the relationship between uh black and brown uh, communities is really, really uh, important because it will uh, foretell uh, the future of uh, communities, uh, cities, uh, neighborhoods uh, into the future. Um, why? Because in many cities across the country, uh, these two communities comprise uh, the majority of, re of residents of those cities whether we're talking about LA, whether we're talking about Houston, Texas, or Dallas, or Chicago, uh, or uh, New York, uh, many other places. And increasingly, if you look at uh, uh, Georgia and uh, the population in Atlanta and in many other communities across the country, as one example, um, it is essential that we have a, a greater understanding uh, among uh, these two communities, um, because if we uh, can agree on advancing agendas that improve the quality of our life uh, through equity measures and uh, fairness and being represented 
uh, at important uh, tables where policy decisions are being made by important leaders, by elite, uh, by powerful forces, uh, be it uh, in school boards, be it in higher education, be it in the corporate world, uh, be it in the US Congress, uh, who the mayors of cities are going to be and who are the council members, uh, county board members, et cetera, where power uh, decisions are made, it is essential that uh, we work together to advance a common agenda. Uh, and I think that in many instances, uh, this is possible. Uh, it's the right thing to do. And it ensures that all of us advance at the same time. In Chicago, uh, there is this type of work going on um, in Lisette's uh, backyard, in the back of the yards community, mm -hmm. where uh, residents of uh, West Englewood and uh, Mexicans and Mexican-Americans from the back of the yards are working to address uh, issues of violence, uh, issues of housing, and then to engage in conversations about culture and language, because oftentimes those are real barriers that prevent us from getting to know and appreciate each other. Our lived experiences in uh, in America, uh, the commonalities, the differences, and to appreciate that, but also to understand uh, music and to understand culture and those expressions. I think those are some of the tools that help us understand the humanity that we all live. And once we begin to understand our lived experiences and our humanity and the things that we have contributed to this country, that's where good things begin to happen. So it's happening in Lisette's former neighborhood in Chicago, but also over where I live on the, on the near uh, Southwest side where the little village or uh, South Lawndale community is working together with the North Lawndale uh, community, uh, African-American. And one of the best outcomes of that uh, aspiring relationship was our fight to create the little village Lawndale, uh, Greater Lawndale High School, uh, where uh, almost all the students who are there are Latino and African-American. When there were efforts to pit the communities against each other, they were repudiated by both communities. And it's where young people are uh, you know, acquiring the cultural experiences to thrive and to continue to build uh, alliances and um, to work together on projects that advance equity and that bring understanding and that can foster their relationship. And most importantly, I'm excited because many of those students are bilingual, completely bilingual, bicultural. And to me, that's the investment that we need to make today. And it will, it will ensure that we have success and justice in the future. Oh, that is beautiful. That just gets us so excited. And, you know, I like to, you know, to Simply put, there's enough pie to go for everyone. We all can get a piece of the pie. And so it's such a shame that historically there have been times where we have um, fought against each other when we all can uh, experience upward mobility. Um, and, 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 and he said, you know, we, we had some beautiful examples of uh, action uh, on the street led by young people, uh, you know, in 2020 and in 2021. Uh, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, uh, we saw that unity, we saw that vision, and we saw the marching 
the slogans, the artistic expressions on the part of young people in particular. And to me, that was a concrete example of the potential that our young people are developing that will bring us together even more so. Excellent. So it, it, is, our, it is our tradition here, Congressman, um, to before we uh, uh, let our guests go for the day, we always like to ask for a final thought. If there is um, one thing that you would uh, really want the listener to walk away with, uh, what would that be? And, uh, and then we'll, we'll sign off. Don't despair. Keep the faith. I know that things are very, very difficult right now. Uh, I went to so many uh, funerals and wakes uh, during the past two years, uh, people who perished from COVID. We saw um, the uh, murder of George Floyd and many other young African-Americans. Uh, similarly, we saw the disparate uh, effects of a law enforcement system uh, that uh, targets uh, uh, people of color uh, all over the country. Uh, and we saw uh, the massive uh, protests that have occurred. And then we saw a, an insurrection uh, take place in the US Congress. So our country uh, and its democracy is on the one hand hanging by a thread. We saw the ugliness and the serious threat of white uh, supremacy uh, express itself in uh, the worst manner in probably over half of, half of a century that is threatening our democracy. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I believe that these things are forcing the country uh, to come to terms with uh, its past, uh, with uh, where it wants to be in the future. And in spite of uh, all of the conflict and the polarization that exists out there, I think these may be some of the last vestiges of institutional racism and hatred and white supremacy being left behind. It's not easy, uh, it's disheartening uh, at times, but we must keep the faith. Uh, the causes that we are discussing this morning are right. Uh, they are uh, fair. And if we can endure the challenges of the next few years, I think we will begin to write a new chapter that at its root has an understanding uh, of our history. It begins to sort out uh, the unresolved historical issues uh, of our country whether it's slavery or racism or anti-immigrant sentiment. And it begins to, I think, create the foundations as uh, difficult as it may seem uh, for uh, the country, uh, the nation, uh, and the society that we will become as we move down the road in the 21st century. So keep the faith. Oh, what a beautiful way to end this conversation. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak on this. And we hope that this will um, continue to carry the conversation forward because you're doing important work. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know, you guys don't hear it enough either. So thank you for all that you do. Um, it's often a thankless job. So we appreciate having you here on Black, Brown and Bilingue. Keep the faith. Thank you. All right. Hasta pronto. Nos vemos. Bye-bye.
Yes. Bye-bye.